1: Greetings, saints. Thank you for joining us today for the Unleavened Bread Bible Study. Father, thank you for encouraging our faith today and helping us to endure the trials, to make it perfect. We praise you and we thank you for it. We know you're going to do it, and we uh, put our trust in you, Lord. Amen. So, Okay, we're going to talk about your faith must be proven today. And I'm going to share with you some revelations that are very good. I would suggest that if you don't get everything as we go through it one time, listen to it again. Yeah. Um, thank you, Father. Well, uh, first revelation, we're going to call it a global spirit of perverseness. Mm-hmm. This was given to Tiana Fire, 129-23. She said, I heard a demon speaking something really evil to my mind, and I was not in agreement with it, and I cast it down. Then I asked God why he allowed the demon to try me with this evil. I then heard the Lord say, this demon is giving many people around the world these same thoughts and feelings right now. And there will be more of this evil and wickedness poured out upon the world. Well, we can see uh, many leftist, amoral people falling into very nasty lusts, just like their deep state overlords. She goes on to say, This evil is in the category of perverseness worse than transgender, etc., which is extremely perverted already. I will not mention what it is because it's extremely disgusting and evil. Then I had a vision of this uh, particular evil being poured out upon the world. And these perverted demons uh, were whispering in many people's ears and then entering the people in the world and taking over their mind and body. Well, these demons entered the people who had not cast down the thoughts and temptations as Tiana had done, and it it was in the days of Lot in Sodom and Gomorrah, and of course we know as were the days of Lot, so it shall be, so we know that it's going to be the same today, except it's not just one nation, it's all of them. I felt that most people will be tested and tempted by these demons. Each will be given the choice to give in to these demons, completely deserting their conscience or to reject this evil and start following their conscience into more truth and separating from those in the world doing this evil. Well, God will ensure this operation. He is into this, right? I was reminded about Howard Pittman's testimony regarding the lowest demon in Satan's kingdom, an evil, disgusting frog, and how all the other demons were even disgusted by this perverted one. It's the lowest of the low, and I felt these uh, demons I saw were like the same one Howard Pittman spoke about in his book, so I'm going to share a piece of his book, a piece of uh, demons, an eyewitness account, Chapter 8, The Frog, by Howard Pittman. From time to time, while on tour with the angels, <laughs> I would notice some demons in such forms and shapes that they were unbelievable. Each time I noticed these demons, they were off to the side by themselves, As I was being shown all the other demons, I would see some of these odd-looking beings in many different places that we went. They seemed to display some sort of fear or distrust of all the other demons, and were always off to themselves, as if they were just lurking about or spying. And finally, my escorting angels brought me to a group of these odd-looking beings, They began to explain to me that this group was the untouchables of the second heaven, and it was the fifth group to be emphasized to me. So they ranked last in the order of command. They may be last in the second heaven, but I found out what an important part they have to play in our world today. This group of demons had the most despicable shapes and forms of any in the second heaven in many cases the forms of them uh, were so repulsive that just to look upon them produced nausea some of their forms were so odd that they defy description others were so small in stature that they were almost overlooked I was astounded to learn that these were the creatures who held all the expertise in the area of perversion. This group of untouchable, despicable, odd-looking spirit beings had been given the important assignment of destroying the morals of modern mankind. Of course, these demons do not work alone. They simply have the responsibility of making certain the job is done. The success of their undertaking is very evident as we look at the runaway worldwide immorality. While I was viewing this group, the angels told me that I was going to be permitted to see a human being actually being possessed by one of these demons. When we crossed uh, through the dimension wall... We were in what appeared to be an employee lounge of some sort. In that room were two people, a young man and a young woman. The couple had no idea we were there and apparently thought they were completely alone. Standing between them was the most despicable looking of all creatures, of which uh, they were totally unaware. It looked like an overgrown stuffed green frog that was all out of shape. The man and the woman were talking and laughing as though they had just exchanged a joke. The demon, however, was between them and moving slowly towards the man's face. Its every movement was calculated, much as a cat's movement is calculated when he is stalking a little bird. The man could not see it and did not realize what was about to happen. When the demon reached the man's face, suddenly, like a puff of smoke, it disappeared into the man's face, appearing to have penetrated the pores of the skin. The angel said, "'There it is finished. He is possessed.' As I was turned away from the two the angel began to tell me about the sovereign will of man and how this demon made itself look beautiful and desirable to this individual. Well, that was its area of expertise, right? So the angel stated that this individual, by his own sovereign will, had openly invited this thing to enter. To the man, the demon looked so desirable and beautiful, but... I got to see it for what it truly is, ugly, despicable, and nauseating. How long will mankind not believe? If only he could realize the truth of the Bible. How subtle, how cunning are the wiles of our adversary, the devil. Okay, that's a portion. Let's go back to uh, Tiana's revelation here. I saw these demons spreading even more over the entire world, going everywhere. It was God's judgment, as in the days of Noah and Lot. Luke 17, 26-30 says, And it came to pass in the days of Noah, even so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. They ate, they drank, they married, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, even as it came to pass in the days of Lot, they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded. Uh, But in the day that Lot went out from Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. And after the same manner shall it be in a day that the Son of Man is revealed. Well, no doubt God is moving His people around to cause them to miss out on this judgment. We praise God for that. Um, It goes on, I was reminded about the verse about the frog demons coming out of the mouths of the dragon and the beast in Revelation 16. 13 through 15. And and I saw coming out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet three unclean spirits, as it were, frogs. For they are spirits of demons working signs which go forth unto the kings of the whole world to gather them together unto the war of the great day of God the Almighty. Let me say that the leadership of the kingdoms is totally infected with this stuff. And the deep state made sure of that in luring them into honey traps and so on and so forth. Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. Walking naked obviously represents uh, open sinfulness or sinful acts, right? They see his shame. So then we got this revelation from Elena 128 uh, one twenty eight twenty three. We call it resist the devil and he will flee. I felt like this dream lasted all night until the morning. It was so intense and real and as soon as I woke up I instantly started writing it down. It was so encouraging to me, so I decided to share it with the body. I dreamt I was sitting on a narrow paved road with my sister. Well, I believe that this represents the straight and narrow path that Jesus talked about in Matthew seven thirteen through 14 Enter ye in by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many are they that enter in thereby. For narrow is the gate, and straitened the way that leadeth unto life, and few are they that find it. He went on, as we were sitting, or she went on, as we were sitting, a young black man was walking by. And as he was passing, he stopped and looked at me and said, I'm Satan. Do you need anything? I replied, No, I have joy. He studied me a bit and said, Surely there's something you need. Aren't you cold? I responded, No, Christ's love keeps me warm. I was nervous as he watched me and could tell that he sensed my nervousness and discomfort, and I quickly grabbed my sister's hand and left. Well, we know that the enemy is always studying us to find our weaknesses. They have all the time in the world to do this and to create their strategies against us. Uh, The devil tempted Eve in the garden by asking her a question that put doubt into her mind, right? I went to my other sister's house and was hanging out there. And when we heard a knock at the door, my sister answered it, and the person talked really sweetly to her, and she excitedly allowed him in, introducing him as an acquaintance of hers. I was shocked. I noticed in my dream how at first I was with my sisters who are still in apostate Christianity. So they're obviously more um capable of being infested with this stuff because the The truth has not been told them. The apostates are always opening up doors to the devil because of their false doctrinal beliefs, and many don't understand that a Christian can be possessed. It was the same black man I saw earlier who who called himself Satan, right? On the road that day, and I felt scared that he was after me and wanted to kill me. First Peter 5 and eight says, "Be sober, be watchful, your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour." He kept smiling at me as he made conversation with everyone and talked so smoothly and sweetly. I was so nervous and uncomfortable so I went to my mom's house, where my old room was in the basement. My mom's house also represents the Apostate Mother Church, and while I was there, Satan was able to get very close to me, and, as we will see, he was very confident and a smooth talker. Well, mom's house represents our natural inheritance passed down to us through our blood, too, you know, and the influence from our upbringing, which makes us victims to the devil and his demons. We all inherited the Adamic fallen nature, right? So it's true that Mother here represents the apostate church because they don't deliver people from the fallen nature. It looked a little different in the dream. It was a long, dark room, almost like a tunnel. Well, the old basement room represents a lower level of relationship with God under the earth as in under the flesh, right? So when I walked in at the very end, I saw a desk, and the black man, Satan, was sitting there on his phone. I thought to myself, if I change my clothing quickly, I can get out before he's done talking. But as soon as I was almost fully undressed, I heard his phone hang up. I looked up and he was right beside me, looking at me with an evil, lustful expression on his face. And I was terrified and felt paralyzed. Well, the devil, lusting after our nakedness, represents that he is pleased when our flesh is manifesting itself outwardly through sin. Uh, because he knows he has an opportunity there, right? So this makes us his victims. Then it was like I passed out and went into another dream. There was an evil-looking man, Satan, and his skin was all red as if painted. He was doing perverted things to me and got a Spray paint can and started painting my skin the same red color. Well, the devil always tries to condemn us for the things that he tempts us with, right? The red uh, represents sin in Isaiah 1 and 18. Come and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. I was just about to give in and participate in his act of perversion, but it was like I got snatched out of it and woke up still in the first dream. Well, we should come out from among our mom's house and its influence to seek our inheritance of the blood of Jesus and his DNA, right? Hallelujah. The scene changed, and I was uh, running to Theo and Lana's house. I, I ran to their house for shelter. They were the ones who introduced me to UBM and uh, who the Lord used to bring me into the truth and, uh, and out of apostate Christianity. I told them about this black man, Satan, and not to let him in, and that he wanted to kill me, and I knew that it was more than just a physical death. He wanted my soul. He tried getting into uh, the house many times. He acted as if he was a troubled man and in need of help and compassion, so I felt no compassion for him. Satan had changed his tactic, trying to get me to feel sorry for him, and he seemed a little smaller and less confident. (laughs) I still had some fear, though, because I was hiding behind Theo and Lana's locked door. Well, the the devil so often uses pity to gain entrance into our lives through his vessels of dishonor. These vessels of dishonor, who have demons, often... Pull out the pity card, and when you open yourself up to them in this pity, they enter you. Uh, we must not pity the wicked because it opens doors for their spirits to enter into us. The faction used that, by the way, to gain entrance to people. They put pity parties on them, and then when they open up and sit down and listen to something they are commanded not to listen to, uh, they get taken over. And then I saw a girl with dirty blonde hair with him. She felt sorry for him and would listen to him. And I saw him with his arm around her shoulders, whispering into her ear. Whispering, of course, is because these kind of things are not acceptable out there in public, right? Romans 16 and 18 says, For they that are such serve not our Lord Christ, but their own belly and by their smooth and fair speech they beguile the hearts of the innocent she walked around with him with her head bowed down allowing him to lead her everywhere he wanted to go well this represents having our eyes on the earthly rather than the heavenly promises right um, I was worried about her and I wanted to save her. I wanted her to know how evil he was and not to listen to what he was saying. I wanted to get her uh, into Fio and Lana's house with me to protect her from him. Well, we must pray and intercede for those who have been taken captive by the wiles of the devil, right? God hears our prayers. The lock to Fio and Lana's house wasn't turned all the way, and the man walked in. We must make sure that the devil can't gain any access to our house because of areas of weakness. You know, faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Stand your ground, speak faith, believe in the Lord. As soon as I saw him step in, I jumped up and ran at him and started punching him in the face. (laughs) I didn't want to give him a chance to speak or react, so I just kept punching and punching until I saw blood dripping to the floor. I knew I subdued him enough that he wouldn't be able to move, so I pushed him back out of the door and locked it tightly. (laughs) Well, this, I believe, represents spiritual warfare, in that we are binding him with the commands of faith that we speak. Amen. And uh, not letting him speak. Amen. Then I went into another dream again and was dreaming that Satan was trying to get me to go somewhere with him. And there were ugly women all around him saying unintelligible things but I knew they were cursing me and praying for me to go with him and die. It was very loud. Well, the ugly women around Satan are the demons attempting to curse us with witchcraft thoughts that are contrary to the promises of God. I was all alone, surrounded by them, but this time I didn't feel afraid. I started praying in the Spirit and and fire and boldness rose up in me, and I proclaimed, He that is in me is greater than he that is in the world. Amen. And another verse that I no longer remember, but I just kept uh, proclaiming it louder and louder and was praising the name of Jesus until I no longer heard their voices, and when I walked past them, they couldn't touch me. You hear that? You know how the devil likes to pester you with voices, right? Just start praising the Lord and thanking the Lord for your victory. Amen. They can't stand before the name of Jesus, and praise bothers them too. Amen. So, then I woke up still in my first dream and was so excited. I shared the dream of Theo and Lana and told them that I had the victory that Satan can no longer come near or touch me. I wasn't afraid anymore because I knew exactly how to defeat him, and uh, that was with the name of Jesus. I was so excited. I wanted to share my testimony with everyone so that they too could know how to defeat him. Elena is doing just that by sharing this with all of the brethren. Amen. Then Theo and I were sitting outside in the grass and I saw Satan in the distance walking by with his head down (laughs) and I laughed. It wasn't until after this second dream I had inside this dream that I realized the power I had in Jesus and was free from all fear. Amen. I prayed for a verse that would be a a uh, confirmation of the dream and an encouragement and my finger landed on the word Christ in Ephesians 1 and 17 in context 17 through 23 that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of glory may give unto you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him now you know when Paul prays a prayer like this you can pray the same prayer It's not unreasonable to pray a prayer when you see a precedent in the Bible. So having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints or the sanctified ones, right? And what the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to that working of the strength of his might. All right. Which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and made him to sit in his, at his right hand in heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion. There you go. In Christ. You're far above all rule and authority and power and dominion in this world and in the demonic world, right? And every name that is named, not only in, only which is to come, and he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. So he's talking about his body, right? He's the head, but it goes all the way down to the feet which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all and in all. So you can notice here very clearly that Jesus put all principalities under the lowest members of his body, the feet. So that includes all of us. Okay, we call this Don't Wallow with the Pigs, number one. Winnie Asagata, one twenty-eight twenty-three. I dreamt that I saw a factious woman that we knew who was into witchcraft and slander, rolling around in mud outside of my mother's house. Well, the mother's house represents apostate Christianity. She was trying to lure Zoe, representing one who has God's life. That's what Zoe means, God's life into rolling around with her, making it seem like it was fun. Mm -hmm. Satan always tries to tempt us through his vessels of dishonor to go back to our old sins. And in this case, it was probably slander and witchcraft. Okay. Then the factious woman entered my mother's house, and there were other people there as well. And she had mud all over her clothes, and her face was fully covered in the mud. Not one part of the skin on her face was visible. Well, folks, they're reprobated. 2 Timothy 3, 2-8 says, For men shall be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, haughty, railers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy without natural affection, implacable, slanders, without self-control, fierce, no lovers of good, traitors, headstrong, puffed up, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding a form of godliness, so you know they're talking about so-called Christians here, holding a form of godliness, but having denied the power thereof from these also turn away. For of these are they that creep into houses and take captive silly women laden with sins, led away by divers' lusts, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. And verse 8, Men corrupted in mind, reprobate concerning the faith. Yep. And it's a good thing they get so nasty because if anybody's got any conscience, they recognize these people. Yeah. Well, the factious woman sat down on a chair and began to try to convince others to roll around in the mud as well. And that was the end of the dream. But she said after sharing this with Anna, the verse that came to her immediately was Second 2 Peter 2, 22. Two 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 represents separation, right? Um, so, and we'll use for context twenty through twenty two. For after 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 they have escaped the defilements of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and they are again entangled therein and overcome, the last state is become worse with them than the first. For it were better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after knowing it to turn back from the holy commandment delivered unto them. It has happened unto them according to the true proverb, the dog turning to his own vomit again, and here it is, the sow that had washed to wallowing in the mire. We got another one from a completely different person here. Don't wallow with the pigs, number two. Tiana Fire, 13023. I saw a pig rolling around in the mud getting all dirty. I then saw a blonde haired lady go into the mud and roll around with the pig in order to get the pig's attention and acceptance. See, a lot of people, they maybe have a problem with rejection. And so they want acceptance, so they listen to this garbage, and it goes into them. The spirit enters into them, and before they know it, they're in faction Mm -hmm. against somebody or whoever. Then she picked up the pig and walked out to clean the pig, but she too got extremely dirty. I felt that this is wrong. It represents the woman wanting to bring people to life in Christ. However, she goes and acts as the world does to get the lost and unsaved people's attention and acceptance. And unknowingly, she defiles herself. Yeah, 1 Peter 4, 2 through 5 says that you no longer should live the rest of your time in the flesh to the lusts of men, but to the will of God. For the time past may suffice to have wrought the desire of the Gentiles and to have walked in lasciviousness, lusts, wine-bibbings, revelings, carousings, and abominable idolatries, wherein they think strange that you'd run not with them into the same excess of riot, speaking evil of you, who shall give account to him that is ready to judge the living and the dead. Mm -hmm. I then saw again the pig rolling around in mud, getting all dirty, and the blonde-haired lady went over to the pig, this time not getting in the mud. But she got the pig's attention, and then she picked up the pig and brought it out and started cleaning it. In the process of cleaning it, she herself got a little mud on her hands and body. Mm -hmm. Well, Galatians uh, 6 and 1 says, Brethren, even if a man be overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, looking to thyself, lest thou also be tempted. There you go. Many people try to stay and resurrect their dead church instead of coming out from among them, and they get lured right back into the same religious spirit. And that's a sad thing, but I've watched it happen over and over. They think, well, I'll I'll say in here, I'll fix this thing, you know. And um although we help others spiritually and help them to overcome, we need to keep cleaning up ourselves and keep alert that no hidden spirit or sin or false doctrine gets on us. We are constantly being tested to see if we will keep or allow spots or blemishes. Jesus wants us to choose to wash all spots and blemishes off of us. Well, amen. I agree with that wholeheartedly. And this one we call Don't Feed the Dogs. Marie Kelton, 126.23. In the dream, I was in a local UBM meeting. I had applied to work at a public school teaching kids. I got the job, but I started feeling like the Lord didn't want me to do that job, so I was trying to figure out a way to get out of it. Well, Galatians 1 and 6 says, Ye who are spiritual, restore such a one. So although there are some who are spiritual enough to restore others without getting dirty themselves, the public schools generally have uh, lower standards, and it's a little like getting in a pig pen. And I think it also represents a lot of churches. They're more worldly than they are spiritual. If you go there, you're going to get some mud on you. (laughs) There was a woman sitting next to me who also got a job teaching at a public school. I couldn't remember if it was a local sister or my biological little sister. But during the meeting, a white dog that resembled a factious man's dog that we know was eating a raw steak on the floor. Well, I believe raw meat has the blood in it, which was forbidden to be consumed in the Old Testament because it represents partaking of the life of the beast itself. Leviticus 17.11 says, For the life of the flesh is in the blood. The life of the flesh. In this case, it's a beast, right? And I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your souls. So, we need to sacrifice the old flesh, right? For it is the uh, blood that makes atonement by reason of the life. So, after he ate it, the dog then came over to me and licked the blood that was on my big right toe, and then attacked me by latching on to my left arm. <laughs> The works of the flesh are represented by the left arm. When we indulge the flesh, represented by the dog, we open ourselves up for attacks by the enemy. She went on to say, I had a thought in the dream that you're supposed to kill a dog after it tastes blood because it will then crave it and start attacking people. Well, we must not uh, feed our flesh or it will become stronger and overpower us. Amen. Feed the spiritual man so that he becomes stronger, right? I called over to David, but he was busy talking with or helping someone else, which didn't take long. Then David stood up and saw me with the dog clamped down on my left arm and said, "Hold on and while walking over to me to help me. I then saw a brother, and he was also fighting something, but I don't remember what. And I remembered that he had to get it into the bathtub in a bathroom that was in the hallway. Well, in order to fight our enemies, we must stay on the straight and narrow path and represented by the hallway, and we must clean up our thoughts uh, by continuing to sanctify ourselves by the washing of the water with the word, represented by the bathtub. And then I woke up. Stay clean. Confess your sins every day. Confess your sins and then confess your savior. Right? Amen. The exam is almost over for the bride. And this was given to Claire Pinar, 12123. I dreamed I was representing the bride at an examination center. I was part of a team being examined. Uh, Rian, her husband, said exams are trials. Yes, we go through many testings and trials. We were a, a large team, and my children were included in the team. We all wore white and Rion, representing the elect body of the bride, bearing fruit going through trials. Amen? So this is good. This is, means you're staying clean, right? We already knew how we do on the examinations, as we seem to know the books and the materials inside and out. Well, that's because... You know, we already accept the end result and we claim it as ours. So we know where we're going and we know we're going to make it. The devil has to shake you loose from this faith, right? So this examination and the team represent um, the bride who are tried and already know. Amen. They already know. They already know that they are accepted, and they already are believing God for the end result. Um, they already know by faith that they've overcome and have succeeded, but they boldly go through the trials and the race that is set before them. Well, um, Reon said, by faith we see the end from the beginning. Amen. There was a dark-haired woman, uh, I believe representing an evil spirit, who came into the examination with a few men following behind her, and she was intent on destroying our success. Well, this is Jezebel, one of Satan's prime agents. First, she stole the examination sheets off the table and walked into another room but I followed her and snatched the exams back from her. Well, noticing, you know, the Jezebel spirit, the, the men follow the Jezebel spirit, especially the Ahabs, okay? And so they, in this way, you can't obviously, uh, win on an examination, right? Not from, for the kingdom of God. Then she tried to distract people from staying in the exam hall. Again, I went to fetch them and told them to come back, and then she made a few doubt that they, that they would succeed in the exam. At this point, I lost patience with this woman, and I walked up to her, and I told her to stop and to leave. I said, we've already won. This is a formality. You can't do anything to change the outcome. That's because they're holding on to their faith, right? She then got delirious with laughter and, and turned on me. She started making all kinds of remarks to me and about me, but I didn't hear any of them. That's the best thing. You just got to have thick skin, you know. The righteous, uh, she said, must choose what they allow themselves to listen to. Well, amen. That's true. And Rion uh, said, Do not entertain Jezebel. She must be cast out. Absolutely. Then she called one of the men to bring her my citizenship certificate. It was in a, a light pink transparent folder, and she wanted to take it out of the folder and tear it up. And Rion said she hates That the elect hold true to their heavenly citizenship by holding true to the written word. Our citizenship is in heaven, quote unquote, bound up in love from the Father. Amen. And that was represented, of course, that love is represented by that color pink, I believe. Also, Philippians 3 and 20, for our citizenship is in heaven, whence also we wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So we have to act like citizens of the kingdom of God, right? That's when I became really intent on making her understand who's in control here. The Jezebel spirit wants to take control. That's what they do, you know. And they especially hate leadership, Any. Decent leadership. They make war against them constantly. That's what they do. So she went on to say, In the dream I was really angry. I know we've, we're forbidden from personal anger, but we uh, only know the fallen side of anger. But in this dream, the Lord wanted to reveal the proper modus operandi when dealing with demonic spirits. Yes, you are rough with demonic spirits. They have to know you mean it, right? And um rion said, uh, Matthew eleven and twelve, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and uh men of violence take it by force. Who are we taking it from? Well just think about it. You you have the third heaven, uh, the righteous kingdom. You got the second heaven, the unrighteous kingdom and here you are on earth wanting to inherit those things of that first kingdom. And so you have to take it from the devil. You're taking it from the devil. You're saying no to the devil. So I walked up to her, put my hands over her throat to choke her. <laughs> well, this represents commanding the demons to be quiet as Jesus did, right? And when she was fearful for not gaining air, I bound her hand so tight in mine that I felt her thin little bones crack under her skin. Well, this represents binding their acts. Your hand represents your acts, right? Such as throwing a person around or choking their host or whatever, you know, any kind of acts that demons like to do through people, we can bind them. I whispered in her ear, and she fell to her knees. I've done much worse to the ones, or the demons, who came before you. So now you leave, and you will not dare touch my certificate ever again. (laughs) I will destroy you if you come near me again. You disgust me. We must command them with authority. Amen. Well, this was a pretty intense moment for my dream self, but it is representative of intense spiritual warfare and not showing the enemy any mercy. Well, uh, Rion said, The bride has plundered the enemy before and cast out many demons and taking much of the promised land by spiritual force or violence, and she will keep on doing it. She even put to death the old man through drowning. (laughs) <laughs> true yeah drown them in the word of God so I've used this text on demons many times if they resisted me uh, telling them that I would send them to the pit if they did not obey me and come out Luke 8 31-33 says and they entreated him that he would not command them to depart into the abyss Now there was there a herd of many swine feeding on the mountain, and they entreated him that he would give them leave to enter into them. And he gave them leave. And the demons came out from the man and entered into the swine. And the herd rushed down the steep into the lake and were drowned. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, demons asked me once if they could enter into a dog when I was casting demons out of a man, and I looked around the room and I didn't see a dog in the room, so I said, no, enter into the nearest cockroach. But when I was leaving the room, I noticed in the next room was a little pet dog right on the other side of the wall of the room that I was in. Of course, the demons saw it. They wanted to enter the little dog and, of course, ruined the uh, the master's day. <laughs> then the scene changed, and all of us uh, were white-clad and teammates, And we're in line to get our language portfolios checked. Our language portfolios? Mm -hmm. So Rion said, this represents a test to see if the elect will speak as oracles of God and agree with the written word. Remember that when you're moaning and groaning and murmuring and complaining, do not speak to give the devil authority over you. Speak the word of God. The language arts of God, right? It seemed we'd passed the examination and now our record of work regarding our language was checked. We might overcome trials, which is by grace, and we must confess the word. Confess means to speak the same as, and that is to speak the same as the word or Jesus. And who is the Word made flesh, right? So this is a language art. And deny the negative report. This is a language art. Only those with perfect scores could move on to the university. (laughs) The professor said, You know your entire folder is faultless. And she asked me to take my folder with me wherever I went, as it would be a benefit to those with me. At this point, I knew my teammates, and I had graduated from this institution and were ready for higher education. And then I woke up. Well, I received by faith at random for this dream, 1 Peter 1 and 5, with my finger on, to be revealed. In context, five through nine. Who by the power of God are guarded through faith. Notice that. You are guarded through faith. Amen. Unto a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. So your the manifestation of your salvation happens as you guard yourself through your faith wherein you greatly rejoice so now for a little while if need be you have been put to grief in manifold trials so we are tested to see if we will endure in faith to see the manifestation of our salvation and again i say soteria salvation um, is very broad it covers our our circumstances um, our life with God, our salvation from sin, uh, on and on. It covers all these things. And the word sozo, saved, is used in all those different ways. It's the verb, right? Verse 7, that the proof of your faith, you have to have your faith proven, you see, it will be proven by your actions. Faith of how it works is dead. So, That the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, that perisheth, though it is proved by fire. That's the fiery trial. You go through the fiery trial, you need to continue to confess your faith. May be found unto praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Well, where is the revelation of Jesus Christ? It's in you. Our faith must be proven through the trial. Christ in you, the hope of glory, right? Whom not having seen you love, and on whom though now you see him not, yet believing. See, see you don't see what you're accepting by faith. You just have to keep on believing. He that endureth to the end shall be saved, right? You rejoice greatly with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. Now, we know that the soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. And that is Christ in you. Your spirit um, empowers you to be able to follow Christ. And uh, the Spirit of God in your spirit empowers you even more to be able to follow God. And as you follow Him, holding fast the confession of your hope that it waver not, you will see the salvation that God has promised to you. Otherwise, the double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. And he tells us that think not that this man will receive anything from the Lord. Yeah. Well, Father, we thank you. We praise you. We give thanks unto you for your goodness to us. We ask you to continue To give us your gifts of faith. Lord, um, by grace have you been saved through faith. And that's not of yourself, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. We certainly can't pick ourselves up by our bootstraps, and we must endure in the faith and encourage our own faith by the Word of God. Faith cometh of hearing, and hearing by the Word. So we let the Word live in us when we uh, we uh, reprogram our minds, right? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Transformed into what? Into Christ in you, right? The spiritual man is Christ in you, and uh, he is growing in you like a baby. And when he is born or birthed, then the world gets to see him. That's the manifestation through you to be seen by the world. Amen. Well, Father, we thank you so much that you have already accomplished this in the trial. Uh, We see the end from the beginning. And we thank you that it is done. We see Jesus in the mirror. And we don't live anymore. He lives in us. He lives through us. We have his attributes. We have his love, we have his patience, we have his power, we see Jesus in the mirror. We don't live anymore, Christ lives in us. Thank you so much, Father, for teaching us this, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, saints, God bless you and keep you. Uh, Michael Hare coming, and um, the brethren are going to get a treat, and... Uh, Thank you, Father, for anointing to bless them and and through Michael and to bless them mightily. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Good night.
2: Well, thank you, Brother David, and God bless you. Hello, saints. Good to be back with you again. Let's go to the Lord right quick. Father God, we have this wonderful revelations of the man, child, and the bride. And Lord, uh, place it in our hearts to... Strive to go after uh the bride and the man child ministries uh that will help a lot of folks during the days ahead. The tribulation is a place where the man child and the bride will flourish throughout the earth and uh make the disciples all over the place. And Father, we thank you for that. In Jesus' name. Well, of course that's what I want to speak about today, the first fruits and the bride. Let's start out Exodus 23 and verse 16. And the feast of harvest, the first fruits of thy labors, which thou sowest in the field, and the feast of ingathering at the end of the year, when thou gatherest in thy labors out of the field, the first of the first fruits of thy ground thou shalt bring into the house of the Lord thy God. In the parables of Jesus, the harvest symbolized the time of his people bearing fruit and being picked. The man child is God's first fruit harvest, which is brought into the house of God on the top of New Testament Mount Zion. Out of the woman church is the in-gathering harvest at the end of the year, which is not brought into the house. The two harvests, hmm. Some think that this reconciles the pre and the post-tribulation rapture position, but the first fruits, although ruling from the throne room and always in the presence of God, as Jesus said, have a ministry on this earth to the rest of the body. Then these also have a great ministry. It will be as uh, uh, Brother Paul said. He said, we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. In 1 Corinthians 15, 51 and 52. Well, To know what fruit is, is to know what maturity is. Revelation 14 covers the whole tribulation and the day of the Lord. It teaches what it is to be the first fruits in the beginning. Revelation 14:1 And I saw and behold the Lamb standing on the Mount Zion, and with him a hundred and forty and four thousand, having his name and the name of his Father written on their foreheads. Folks, that's not the 144,000 Revelation chapter 7 that are a remnant of natural Israelites who are saved and sealed to become a part of the great multitude and taken at the time, the, the, the time of the ingathering harvest. When Jesus spoke of the Gentiles who would join the faithful Jews in the kingdom, he said the last, the Gentiles, would be first, and the first, the Jews would be last, Luke chapter 13, verses 28 through 30. The 144,000 firstfruits of the church, which is mostly Gentiles, will be firstfruits, and 144,000 Jews will be last. Now, maturity in our text is described as having his name and the name of his father written on their foreheads. The name or nature and authority of God on one's forehead represents the renewed mind of the spirit. Romans 8, uh, verses 5 through 7. As opposed to the mind of the beast or flesh as in Revelation 13. Folks, if we are in between these two, you got to understand that you're not yet ripe. And ain't nobody picks green fruit. We have to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, as it tells us in Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. Now, Revelation 14 and 4 says this, These are they that were not defiled with women, for they are virgins. These are they that follow the Lamb whithersoever he goeth. These were purchased from among men to be the firstfruits unto God and unto the Lamb, and in their mouth was found no lie. They are without blemish. Now the Greek word for persons here is agorazo, and that means bought and taken possession of. Folks, these are not only bought by the blood, but they are taken possession of or possessed by God. Folks, this is just like our Lord, who only did those things that he heard and saw that followed. And that's because their mind is renewed. In their mouth was found no lie. And that means their doctrine and words are in agreement with the word and not religion. Because they're separated from among men to be first fruits before the tribulation. Jesus was called the first fruits and these are called first fruits unto God and unto the Lamb. Meaning, they're the very next ones to come to full maturity. And the first fruits are a very small crop. And come to be without blemish ahead of the main crop. And these are not defiled by women, meaning the sex and culture of Christianity or denominations called, uh, which are called works of the flesh. Galatians 5, 19 through 20. Just like Jesus, he was not defiled with any of the sex of Judaism. Instead, he called his disciple out from among them. And that's what the man child's going to do. Now, Let's, exam, let's examine this last mentioned sign of maturity a little more carefully. Just as the fru- first fruits are not defiled with women, so it is with the bride. The bride in the Song of Solomon is a prophetic parable of the bride today. And she begins her work in youthful immaturity in bondage to religion instead of the Lord. She says in the Song of Solomon chapter 5 and verse 7, the watchmen, that's the ministers, that go about the city found me. They smote me. They wounded me. The keepers of the walls, that's the denominations are sect, took away my mantle or veil from me. The watchmen are identified by the Lord as shepherds in Isaiah 56, 10 through 12. That word shepherds means pastors in the Hebrew. These pastors, in trying to keep the bride within their sectarian walls, they smote her and took away her veil. And that's a sign of submission to her husband, the Lord. First Corinthians 11 and 3, the head of the woman is the man. Verse 5, but every woman praying or prophesying with her head unveiled dishonoreth her head. Verse 10, for this cause ought the woman to have a sign of authority on her head. Verse 13, judge ye in yourselves, is it seemly that a woman pray unto God, unveil? Folks, false shepherds have made the people of God submissive to themselves and religion rather than to Christ. He's our head. And in a true type to our day, the bride, in vain, sought her beloved first in the broad ways of Babylonish religion. Song of Solomon, chapter 3, verse 2 said, I said, I will rise now and go about the city. That's Babylon. In the streets and in the broad ways, I will seek him who my soul loves. I sought him, but I found him not. She sought him from the false shepherds whose loyalties was to themselves and their own little kingdom. Verse 3. The watchmen that go about the city found me to whom I said, saw ye him whom my soul loveth? Folks, it wasn't until she was delivered from them that she found the one whom her soul saw. Verse four, it was but a little that I passed from them. When I found him whom my soul loveth, I held him and would not let him go. In her excitement, she wanted to share him with those among whom she was first conceived and birth. Then it goes on and says, until I had brought him into my mother's house and into the chamber of her that conceived me. The other daughters of that culprit mother didn't share her excitement for her peculiar beloved. Then chapter five at verse nine says, what is thy beloved more than another beloved? Oh, thou fairest among women. What is not beloved more than another beloved that thou doest, that thou dost so adjure us? Because she wasn't content with another Jesus. She was undefiled with the religious system of those other daughters. Second Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 4 says, for if he that comes preaches another Jesus whom we did not preach, or if you receive a different spirit which you did not receive, or a different gospel which you did not accept, you do well to bear with the, with him. She became undefiled from the weak and worthless man-made Jesus and was chosen by her Lord. Chapter 6 and verse 9. My dove, my undefiled, is but one. She is the only one of her mother. She is the choice one of her that bear her. The daughter saw her and called her blessed. Jesus likened his words to seed sown in the womb of the heart to bring forth his fruit. And those who bear fruit are not going to be defiled with the seed of the word of men and their religions because they are spiritual virgins. Revelation 14 and 4, these are they that were not defiled with women for they are virgins. These are they that follow the lamb whithersoever he goes. These were purchased from among men to be the first fruits unto God and unto the Lamb. Now, a harlot is one who receives the word or the seed from a man who is not her husband. If in religion we receive the traditions of men instead of the word of God, then we're members of one of the daughter harlots, the great corporate harlot in revelation chapter 17 and verse 5 was called the mother of the harlots and of the abominations of the earth and if you'll notice the daughters are called harlots the sex of christianity have become defiled with what what uh, paul warned against second corinthians 11 and 4 for if he who comes preaches another Jesus whom we did not preach or ye receive a different spirit which ye did not receive or a different gospel which ye did not accept ye bear well with you. The Lord's command to those defiled in this way was come ye out from among them and be ye separate saith the Lord and touch no unclean thing and I will receive you. Second Corinthians 6 and 17. Folks, the word alone is the truth that sets free, not man's talk. Second Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 1, Having therefore these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all defilement of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Jesus calls his sheep out of the fold of apostate religion in order to follow the Lamb, whether soever he goes, John ten three says he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Verse four, when he hath put forth all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. This little flock that follows the Lord, resting from its own works, is what the broad sought for. Song of Solomon chapter one verse seven says, "Tell me, O thou." whom my soul loves, where thou feedest thy flock, where thou makest it to rest at noon. For why should I be as one that is veiled beside the flocks of thy companion? Now the veil in this case represents the blindness and bondage of submission to religion. Second Corinthians chapter three and verse fifteen said, But unto this day, whensoever Moses is read, a veil lies upon their heart. Verse 16, But whensoever it shall turn to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled faith, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are transformed into the same image from glory to glory. And as you can see here, those who are unveiled by the legalism of religion See the Lord, and they come into his likeness. They walk like him, they talk like him, and they act like him. And the Lord's answer to where thou feedest thy flock was, If thou know not, O thou fairest among women, go thy way forth by the footsteps of the flock, and feed thy kids beside the shepherd's tent. Song of Solomon 1, verse 8. Now, in Jesus' day, it was not possible to feed his church, meaning called out was in the apostate sex of Judaism. So he fed them beside the shepherds' tents. And likewise, because the church is greatly apostatized in our day, Jesus is feeding the flock with freedom, rest, and truth outside the shepherds' tents. This brought reproach to the bride and Jesus from the apostate people of God. Verse 6 says, my father's, or my mother's sons were incensed against me. Now, those who take up their cross to follow Jesus are commanded to accept this same reproach of being ostracized by the carnal people of God. Hebrews 13 and 11 says, for the bodies of those beasts whose blood is brought into the holy place by the high priest as an offering for sin are burned without the camp." Verse 12, Wherefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people through his own blood, suffered without the gate. Verse 13, Let us therefore go forth unto him without the camp, bearing his reproach. Now, Moses, in a true type of Christ in the man shell, led his people out of the camp of the rebellious apostates. Exodus 33 and 7 says, Now Moses used to take the tent and to pitch it without the camp, afar off from the camp, and he called it the tent of meeting. And it came to pass that everyone that sought the Lord went out into the tent of meeting, which was without the camp. Now, it's in the days that we're coming to that these thundering judgments are going to put the fear of God in those in the camp to separate and come out and meet what the called out was in the true mountain of God's kingdom, glory to God. Exodus 19 and 15 says, And he said unto the people, Be ready against the third day. Come not, dear old woman. That's the apostate sex. Verse 16, And it came to pass on the third day when it was morning. That's the beginning of the third millennial day since the last Adam. That there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud upon the mount and the voice of a trumpet exceeding loud and all the people that were in the camp trembled and Moses brought forth the people out of the camp to meet God and they stood at the nether part of the mount. Moses was a type of the man child that's going to lead the elect out of the defiled sex to meet God. We need to repent of accepting what the crowds believe and only accept that pure word of God so that we can have discernment to hear his voice and follow him. Only the word is going to bring forth the fruit of Christ because he is the word. In Revelation 14, after the first fruits became possessed of God, the church then goes through the time of the beast and the mark. Let's. Let's see what it says in uh, Revelation 14 and 9. And another angel, a third, followed them, saying with a great voice, If any man worships the beast in his image and receives a mark on his forehead or upon his hand, he also shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God. Then here is the patience, verse 12, Here is the patience of the saints, they that keep the commandments of God in the faith of Jesus. Now, at this time, those who are faithful and they bear this ripe fruit, that's going to be the main crop. They're called the ingathering harvest. And in verse 15, And another angel came out from the temple, crying with a great voice to him that sat on the cloud, Send forth thy sickle and reap, for the hour to reap is come, for the harvest, harvest of the earth is ripe. Now, folks, those who don't bear fruit by this time, they're all going to be rejected. That's in Revelation 6, uh, 13, 12, and 4, 3, and 5, and 16. And will be in the harvest of the wicked. You don't want to be there. Verse 19, And the angels cast his sickle into the earth and gathered the vintage of the earth and cast it into the winepress, the great winepress of the wrath of God. And folks, when we talk about maturity, that's dying to self and walking in the spirit. Genesis 5 verse 24 says, Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. Enoch was not because his self did not exist. He became possessed of God. Enoch was the first fruits harvest and Noah was the ingathering harvest. Enoch was well pleasing unto God because of his faith. And he was translated. Look at Hebrews chapter 11 verses 5 and 6. Now let's look at another type of the two harvests. Look in Psalm 45 verse 9. King's daughters are among thy honorable women. At thy right hand doth stand the queen in gold of Ophir. All of the sex of God's people are his daughters. The bride of the king. Is separate from them because she's dressed in gold, and that represents purity. That represents value, and it also represents eternal life. Verse 10, hearken, O daughter, and consider and incline thine ear. Forget also thine own people and thy father's house. Verse 11, so will the king desire thy beauty, for he is thy Lord, and reverence thou him. Folks, the bride is beautiful to the king because she completely surrenders and submits to his lordship since the head of every man is Christ, right? First Corinthians 11 and 3. Now, our allegiance and affinity is no longer to our natural father's house or the people of the world, but it's to our heavenly father's house and the people of the kingdom. And also, in order for us to mature, It's important to outgrow our early spiritual father's house. Paul said, for though you have 10,000 tutors in Christ, yet have you not many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I begat you through the gospel, First Corinthians 4 and 15. You know, folks, we all had a spiritual father when we first came to the Lord. But we have to forget that first house in order to grow up and follow the Lord. And we have to also submit to Christ in others, especially the true fivefold ministry, because they are given for the perfecting of the saints. Psalm 45, verse 13 says this, The king's daughter within the palace is all glorious. Her clothing is inwrought with gold. And I want you to notice that the bride is already within the palace on Mount Zion. Verse 14, she shall be led unto the king in broader work. The virgins, our companions that follow her, shall be brought unto thee. The companions or the virgins are then led by the bride into the palace. They escort the bride right to the groom's home. Verse 15, with gladness and rejoicing shall they be led. They shall enter into the king's palace. And according to the Jewish marriage ceremony, the virgins in the parable of the ten virgins were not the bride, but they were her companions. The virgins are the spiritual children of the bride. Verse 16 said, instead of thy father shall be thy children whom thou shalt make princes in all the earth. The religious fathers who begat the bride are not going to father the virgins just as Jesus raised the bride in his day to evangelize the rest of the church. So Mordecai took the bride when her father was dead, Esther 2 and 7, and raised her and cared for her for the rest of the church. In other words, the man-child is going to lead the bride to be a spiritual father to the virgin, raising them to maturity in the wilderness. Now the book of Esther, which means secret or hidden, is a prophecy of the church age, especially the end time. In Esther chapter 1 and verse 11, the king commanded his chamberlains to bring Vashti, the queen, before the king with the crown royal to show the peoples and the princes her beauty, for she was fair to look on. But the queen Vashti refused to come at the king's commandment. Vashti wouldn't come when called by the king, just as Israel wouldn't come when called by the king of kings. Matthew 22, 1 through 7. So it was decided that the king give her royal estate unto another that is better than she. You know, when Israel refused to call, our king gave it to the church. Although not all have paid attention, and not all will manifest the bride. In type, the king then wrote the Bible to send out this invitation. The king then sent letters into all the king's provinces, that's the Bible, into every province according to the writing thereof and to every people after their language, that every man should bear rule in his own house and should speak according to the language of his people. And if you'll notice, in type, our king sent translations of the Bible everywhere and commanded that we agree with that word. Now let's look at Esther 2 and 2. Then said the king's servants that ministered unto him, Let there be fair young virgins sought for the king, and let the king appoint officers in all the provinces of his kingdom, that they may gather together all the fair young virgins, unto Shushan the palace, to the house of the women, unto the custody of Haggai, that's the king's chamberlain, that he represents the Holy Spirit, by the way, Keeper of the women and let their things for purification be given them and let the maiden that pleases the king be queen instead of Vashti. And the thing pleased the king and he did so. Now, contrary to popular opinion, one corporate body called the bride was chosen by the king from among the virgin corporate bodies to be queen. And it was the king's chamberlain, the Holy Spirit, who provided There are things for purification. The bride will have a more glorious garment than the virgin bridesmaids, Revelation 19 and 8. And it was given unto her, that's the bride, that she should array herself in fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. This garment is called lampros in Greek, and it means bright, glowing, or brilliant. This bright lamp represents her pure works. And on the other hand, those invited to the marriage supper only have a white garment. Now the bride is never bidden or invited to her own marriage supper. She does the inviting. Verse nine, and he saith unto me, right, blessed are they that are bidden to the marriage supper of the lamb. Verse fourteen, and the armies which are in heaven followed him upon white horses clothed in fine linen, white, leucose in the Greek, and pure. The bride and the virgins, folks, are two different levels of purity and also maturity. As usual, in this text, the queen does not go to war. It's the king and his armies that do. Esther 2 Verse 9, and the maiden pleased him, that's the Holy Spirit, and she obtained kindness of him, and he speedily gave her her things for purification with her portions and the seven maidens who were meat to be given her out of the king's house. And he removed her and her maidens to the best place of the house of the women. And of the virgins, Esther pleased the Holy Spirit and quickly received grace to come to purity. Likewise, if we walk pleasing to the Holy Spirit and we listen to his voice, we're going to receive the grace to be in the man, child, or the bride. She was given the seven maidens out of the king's house, and that represents the seven attributes of Christ. Christ is the light, which is broken down into seven primary colors, which represents the attributes of light. Joseph's coat of many colors. That represents him having put on Christ as the manchild, head of the bride. And you're going to find the seven attributes of Christ in those that have faith. Second Peter one and five says, Yea, and for this very cause, adding on your part all diligence in your faith, supply virtue, and in your virtue knowledge, and in your knowledge self-control, and in your self-control, patience. And in your patience, godliness. And in your godliness, brotherly kindness. And in your brotherly kindness, love. The words in your indicate that each attribute comes out of the previous one and they all come out of faith. There ain't no comma behind faith in the Greek. And those are the seven pillars that support the house of God. Proverbs 9 and 1 says, wisdom hath builded her house. She has honed out her seven pillars. She hath killed her beast, and that represents the flesh. She has mingled her wine, and that represents the blood and nature of Jesus. She hath also furnished her table. She has sent forth her maidens, her seven maidens. She cries upon the highest places of the city. Verse four, whoso is simple, let him turn in hither. As for him that is void of understanding, she said to him, Come, eat ye of my bread. And that represents the word of God. And drink of the wine which I have mingled. And folks, it's by faith in the word that we receive the seven attributes of the nature of Jesus Christ, which are in his blood. Leviticus 17 and verse 11 says, For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement by reason of life. Whatsoever we desire in order to mature was provided in Jesus' blood. Esther 2 and 13 says, Then in this wise came the maiden unto the king. Whatsoever she desired was given her to go with her out of the house of the women unto the king's house. Everything needed to outgrow the virgins and be counted among the bride has already been given to us, folks. Second Peter one and three says, seeing that his divine power hath granted unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that called us by his own glory and virtue. Verse four, whereby he hath granted unto us his precious and exceeding great promises that through these you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world by lust. And through the promises we have access to the divine nature that we might go to the king's house and sit down with him in his throne. We don't need anything more than what the Holy Spirit has appointed in the Word, and that he freely gives to those who walk by faith. Esther chapter 2 and verse 15. Now when the turn of Esther was come to go in unto the king, she required nothing but what Haggai the king's chamberlain, the keeper of the women, appointed. And Esther obtained favor or grace in the sight of all them that looked upon her. So Esther was taken unto King Ahasuerus into his house in the seventh year, that's the seventh millennium, of his reign. And the king loved Esther above all the women, and she obtained favor and kindness in his sight more than all the virgins, so that he set the royal crown upon her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. Here we got Esther dressed up in the beauty of righteousness and authority, and she was chosen to be the bride. If this prize of the high calling of God in Christ is important to us, we will lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Hebrews 12 and 1. Now, at the time, the man, child, and bride, they will be qualified to teach and they will be providing for and they will give protection from the beast and mature the rest of the ingathering harvest. And this harvest is going to be chosen from among the called because they have been born fruit and they haven't identified themselves with the body of the beast. In the book of Esther, Mordecai represented the first fruits to truly manifest Christ and abide in him. God's chosen saints don't bow to the beast. Whether Mordecai to Haman, Daniel to the king in prayer, the three Hebrews to the image of the beast in Daniel 3.18, the Levites to the golden calf in the wilderness, or Judah to the golden calf in Israel, These were preserved from death by the decree of the beast, by the mouth of the lions, by the wilderness, and by conquering armies. All types of the conquering beast. And as in all of these cases, that's the way it's going to be in the future. And the majority of what is considered God's people, they will bow to the beast. Esther chapter 3 and verse 2, And all the king's servants that were in the king's gate bowed down and did reverence to Haman, for the king had so commanded concerning him. But Mordecai bowed not down, nor did him reverence. Now God's authority given to the beast to command submission is going to separate the wheat from the tares in the days ahead. And as the bride and the virgin represent bodies of people, so Mordecai, the man-child, represents those who demonstrated to the people how to abide in Christ and not bow to the beast. Verse 5, When Haman saw that Mordecai bowed not down, nor did him reverence, then was Haman full of wrath. But he thought scorn to lay hands on Mordecai alone, for they had made known to him the people of Mordecai. Wherefore Haman sought to destroy all the Jews that were throughout the whole kingdom of Ahazurias, even the people of Mordecai, and if you'll notice that all the Jews, as a type of the Christian, were called the people of Mordecai, and they were to incur the penalty for Mordecai, not bowing to the beast. That could also imply that he represents the true Christians who are going to be condemned for refusing to bow down to the beast. And as apostate Israel was in bed with the Roman beast to crucify Christ and his disciples, so the harlot, as the wife of the beast, will put him up to this. Esther chapter 5 and verse 14. Then said Zeresh, his wife, and all his friends unto him, Let a gallows, Hebrew that means tree, be made fifty cubits high, and in the morning speak thou unto the king that Mordecai may be hanged thereon. Now, Mordecai represents the faithful man-child who raises up the bride as she overcomes the natural life given by natural parents. Psalms 27.10 says, When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. And so it was with Esther. When she was no longer raised and ruled by her natural father and mother, Mordecai, the faithful, raised her. Now, another parable would be that Mordecai raised Esther Esther, after the spiritual influence of her mother, representing religion, and her spiritual father, who begat her into religion, were dead to her. Esther chapter 2 and verse 7. And he brought up Hadassah, that is Esther, his uncle's daughter, for she had neither father nor mother, and the maiden was fair and beautiful. And when her father and mother were dead, Mordecai took her for his own daughter. We have to outgrow religion and its leaders in order to follow the Lamb, whithersoever he goeth, as it says in Revelation 14 and 4. And when the bride in Psalms 45, verses 10 through 11, forgot her father's house, the king saw her beauty and took her for his. And another story, as soon as Isaac outgrew the need for mother's milk, Abraham celebrated because now Isaac could follow his father and eat meat. Genesis chapter 21 and verse 8, And the child grew and was weaned, and Abraham made a great feast on the day that Isaac was weaned. Now in like manner, the bride represents those who have learned to be led by the Lord and the man-child, rather than the milk of religion. Romans 8 and 14 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. The disciples of Jesus, all, had to come out of apostate Judaism in order to follow him. John the Baptist said of these disciples, He that hath the bride is the bridegroom." to John chapter 3 and verse 29. And as a disciple, meaning learner and a follower, Paul had to be born from a religion that was begun by God, but they fell into apostasy just like Christianity has. Galatians 1 and 14, And I advanced in the Jews' religion beyond many of mine own age among my countrymen, being more exceedingly zealous for the traditions of my fathers. Verse 15, But when it was the good pleasure of God who separated me, even from my mother's womb, and called me through his grace to reveal his Son in me, that I might preach him among the Gentiles, straightway I conferred not with flesh and blood. Paul had to be born out of his mother, which is the apostate church of that day, separated from a spiritual father who begat him in that religion in order to follow Christ. Acts 22 and 3 says, I am a Jew born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in this city at the feet of Gamaliel, instructed according to the strict manner of the law of our fathers, being zealous for God, even as ye all are it this day. Now, this in no way ought to be construed to mean that we do not need the body of the multi-gifted people. It just means that now we can hear God's voice and follow him rather than man. The true body has no brains of its own, but depends completely On the head for direction. That's Jesus. Ephesians 5.23. For the husband is the head of the wife. As Christ also is the head of the church. Being himself the savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ. So let the wives also be to their husbands. In everything. And this is the body. That we need to associate with. Not the brain dead body. Ruled by traditions and self will. Haman as a type of the beast, received authority from the king as a type of God. And that's to destroy his people because they wouldn't keep his laws. Six major times and many lesser times has this happened in Bible history. And it's repeating today. Esther chapter 3 and verse 8 says, And Haman said unto king Ahasuerus, There is a certain people scattered abroad and dispersed among the peoples in all the provinces of thy kingdoms. And their laws are diverse from those of every people. Neither keep they the king's laws. Therefore it is not for the king's profit to suffer them. If it please the king, let it be written that they may, that they be destroyed. Verse 11, And the king said unto Haman, The silver is given to thee, the people also to do with them as it seems good to thee. And letters were sent by post into all the king's provinces to destroy, to slay, to cause to perish all Jews, both young and old, little children and women, in one day. When the people of God realized that they were given into the hand of the beast, they had a great repentance. And it's going to be the same thing in our day. Esther 4 and verse 3 and in every province whithersoever the king's commandment and his doctrine came there was a great mourning among the Jews and fasting and weeping and wailing and many lay in sackcloths and ashes. Esther as the bride took advantage of her royalty to go before the king to intercede for the people. Chapter 5 and verse 1 says, now it came to pass on the third day, that's a type of our they were in now the third millennial day that esther put on her royal apparel and stood in the inner court of the king's house and it was so when the king saw esther the queen standing in the court that she obtained favor in his sight and the king held out to esther the golden scepter that was a symbolic offer of dominion that was in his hand so esther drew near touched the top of the scepter That's an acceptance of dominion. Verse 3, Then said the king unto her, What wilt thou, Queen Esther? And what is thy request? It shall be given thee even to the half of the kingdom. Now, at the beginning of this third millennial day, the bride is going to manifestly become a joint heir with Christ. And when Esther revealed Haman's evil plot of destroying the people of God, and he was later hung on the gallows he built for Mordecai, she asked that the king reverse his authority given to destroy the people of God. The king gave to Esther and Mordecai complete authority to give authority to the people, but according to law, he couldn't take away the beast's authority to crucify them. Verse, uh, chapter eight, verse eight says, "Write ye also to the Jews as it pleases you in the king's name." and seal it with the king's ring, for the writing which is written in the king's name and sealed with the king's ring may no man reverse. The beast has been given authority by the king to judge lawlessness and consume the flesh among his people. Since no man can take that authority from the beast, Esther and Mordecai wrote to God's people, in the name of King Ahasuerus, and granted the Jews that were in every city, to gather themselves together and to stand for their life to destroy, to slay, and to cause to perish all the power of the people and province that would assault them, their little ones and women. Now, when we speak of a threat to kill all of the Jews, who on the other hand are given authority to kill all of those who would assault them, we're seeing a war between the carnal and spiritual man of God's people. And we see this because all of God's people don't physically survive the tribulation. And all of the beast people who threaten God's people are not destroyed. And yet, this seems to be the case in the text of Esther. The inclusion of all in both cases speaks of every spiritual Jew who is circumcised in heart, as in Romans chapter 2 and verses 28 and 29. And in this way, all of the fleshly beast men are cut off. And all of the spiritual Jews survive. The flesh is truly a member of the body of the beast, for it's the enemy of God and his people. Romans 8 and 7 says, Because the mind of the flesh is enmity, that means enemy, against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can it be. Galatians 5 and 17, For the flesh lusts after the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. For these are contrary the one to the other, that you may not do the things that you would. This old man that wars against the spirit man has to die. Those that don't cut off their fleshly beast man prove themselves not to be spiritual Jews and are therefore not included in the great victory that we see hidden in Nestor. Now keep this in mind as we look at some physical aspects that are true also. Now, returning, we see the people of God were given a revelation of their own authority to destroy, to destroy the beast kingdom with the sword. Chapter 9 and verse 5. And the Jews smote all their enemies with the stroke of the sword and with slaughter and destruction and did what they would unto them that hated them. Now the sword here represents a spoken curse of the word of God. Ephesians 6 and 17 on the world beast and the personal ones. Revelation 11 and 5 says, And if any man desires to hurt them, fire proceeds out of their mouth and devours their enemies. And if any man shall desire to hurt them, in this manner, must he be killed. The saints are warned, In the last three years of the tribulation, when the beast is killing them, that if any man shall kill with the sword, With the sword must he be killed. Here's the patience and the faith of the saints. Now at that time, when the saints will be welding the sword of the Spirit, Esther 8 and 17 says, Many from among the peoples of the land became Jews, for the fear of the Jews was fallen upon them. And that represents that great revival, and where a lot of people of the world are going to become Christians as their beast kingdom is being destroyed. And with the authority of the word, God's people are going to decimate the beast kingdom, and even its leadership are going to fall through the spoken word of God. Esther chapter nine and verse six says, "And in Shushan the palace, the Jews slew and destroyed five hundred men." Now, according to the law of first mention, five hundred is the number of the heads of the whole world. Genesis chapter five and verse thirty-two. And Noah was 500 years old, and Noah begat Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The people of God destroyed 500 men in the palace, meaning in the leadership. And our text confirms that in Esther 9 and verse 7. And Parshandatha, and Dalphon, and Aspatha, and Paratha, and Adelia, and Aradatha, and Parmashta, and Arasiah, and Aradai, and Valzathoth, and the ten sons of Haman, the son of Hamadatha, the Jews' enemy, slew they. But on the spoil they laid not their hand. The ten sons of the beast represent the ten king kings of the beast kingdom in Revelation 17, verses 12 and 13. And in the list of the names above, Three letters were always written smaller than the rest by the scribes. And and to us, in English, they would be T, S, H, and Z. And since the Hebrew letters were also their numbers, this would be 707. And that's a common abbreviation for the Hebrew year 5707. And you know what year that was? 1946. And that was the year the Nuremberg trials were held. Ten Nazi Jew killers were hanged on Purim, the Jewish celebration of victory over the beast and his ten sons in Esther 9, and 26. One of them, Julius Stryker, editor of the Nazi propaganda newspaper, Der, Stromer, Der, Der Stormer, gave an apparent prophecy from God. And just as the trap door opened, he shouted out in hatred whatever that germany is, in 1946. But what it meant was, this is my Purim holiday, 1946. There had been 11 convicted to be hanged, but Goring committed suicide the night before in his cell so that this type would be fulfilled. Now Gideon, a type of the man-child, Faced a beast army that was like locusts for multitude, Judges 7 and 12. But first God whittled down his army to 300 faithful men, because God said, The people that are with thee are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hand, lest Israel vaunt themselves against me, saying, My own hand has saved me. Folks, God is a jealous God, and he ain't going to share his glory with the arm of the flesh. And he will not choose those who are not weak in the ways of the world. But God chose the foolish things of the world, that he might put to shame them that are wise. And God chose the weak things of the world, that he might put to shame the things that are strong. God gave them this great victory without a physical sword in their hand, except they cried, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And then they rose up against the beast army. Now, let's see what this sword was that destroyed their enemies. Judges chapter 7 and verse 16 said, And he divided the 300 men into three companies, and he put into the hands of all of them trumpets and empty pitchers with torches within the pitchers. Verse 20, And the three companies blew the trumpets and break the pitchers and held the torches in their left hands and the trumpets in their right hands wherewith to blow. And they cry, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. Now, first we see that the sword is symbolized by trumpets, which in Hebrew is shofar or ram's horn. Ram's horns are weapons of our warfare for both the ram and the Israelite. When blown, a ram's horn turns breath. And that's the same Hebrew word for spirit into that which can be heard. In other words, this represents giving voice to the Spirit. The Word of God going forth through the Spirit of overcomers is the sword of the Spirit that will destroy the enemy. And second, the sword is symbolized by the breaking of the clay vessels, symbolizing the flesh, so that the burning torch of the light of the spiritual man is going to shine out to destroy The enemy. Proverbs 20 and verse 27 says, The spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord. And what God has put in our spirit is resisted by the carnal man. Who must be broken so that the spiritual man of Christ in us may be seen in our lives and heard from our mouths. This manifestation of the sons of God is what the whole creation is waiting for. Romans 8 and 18, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed to usward. For the earnest expectation of the created creation waits for the revealing of the sons of God. Folks, desire to be a son of God. And I'm out of time. God bless you. We'll see you again next time. God willing.
0: I trust in you. And when I face that darkest night, what will be my guiding light? The shining rays of red and white. Jesus, I trust in you. Oh, sacred heart in you, I find. Mercy seated for all time I am yours and you are mine oh Jesus I trust in you Though the mountains fall into the sea Though the rivers rise I still believe For your mercy stands and your word is true Oh Jesus I trust in you